Welcome to Misalign. This week, I have on Michelle Turk from Mega Weapon, and we are going to talk a bit about the band and some other things just going on in the music industry and the music scene in general. But Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. And Mega Weapon just had a release come out this past Friday, actually. We are recording this on February 15th, so the EP came out on the 10th and you know this will air in a couple weeks so you know it it's not too time sensitive since the EP is already out but why don't we go ahead and start with the start of Mega Weapon basically which I know happened a few years ago can you sort of walk me through how you got together and started this band well in 2014 um I was playing in a band called Infidelities uh, with the drummer of Meg Weapon, Mike, and um, we were having a few issues with keeping a consistent lineup. Uh, we had gotten a few members that were a little bit younger going off to college, and um, there's a little bit of like personality issues going on also. Right. And um, not to make it sound like so negative, but <laughs> um, at the same time, I was talking to my friend Andrew, who is the guitarist of Meg Weapon. And um, he filmed a music video for Infidelities. And we had the guitar spot open and he hit me up. He's like, I'm interested. And we have been friends for a while, but I honestly didn't even remember that he played guitar. And so then, like, um, I kept bringing it up to the Infidelities. Like, hey, Andrew wants to meet up with us. Can we jam with Andrew? And um, they decided they didn't want to be a band anymore at that point in time. So at the same point in time, it was like Andrew was like, I'm I'm finally home, graduated college, and I can make a commitment like this. So we were able to start getting together and writing songs. That was in 2014. And um, yeah, we started getting together and just like a lot of writing and just playing songs that we already knew, trying to fill in the gaps with members. Right. And in January, we finally convinced Mike uh, from Infidelities to join us and we had um, my boyfriend filling in on bass so and then we started going out and playing shows and that was like the beginning of everything <laughs> nice and you guys are from the New York area what area in specific is the band mainly located um we're from Long Island New York okay um, we're spread out across the entire island um but if I had to give us like a hometown it'd be Wontaw where Jones Beach is okay yeah I didn't spend a whole lot of time in New York. I've only been there a couple times, but I went to school in Philadelphia. So I'm at least somewhat familiar with the general East Coast area there. Yeah, we're we're Long Island <laughs> Billy Joel fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did notice that you have a song on the EP called Strictly 80s Joel. So I assume <laughs> that has everything to do with Billy Joel. <laughs> Actually, it's a quote from um from Step Brothers. <laughs> like there's um there's a cover band that is playing like a 80s Joel, uh, not 80s, playing a, a Joel medley. And they okay. were trying to get the band to play a 90s Joel song or a 70s Joel song. And they were like, no, we play strictly 80s Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know why we like stuck with that for. 
so for some reason people like like the song name so we never changed it that's a good reason not to change it though if it's something that sticks with people you might as well stick with it as well so you've had a few different releases i know you guys have done things like a buddy holly covers so what was sort of the inspiration behind this ep which is titled behind glass walls um last year at this time we had we uh went on on the air on stony brook university's uh radio station and um we were in an interview like we said we're gonna put out a record by next year at this time and like the dj was like okay we're gonna hold you to it exactly next year at this time it was actually today this day <laughs> nice. this so <laughs> we're like we're gonna do it and we we had a few songs written and the songs that we recorded for our demos had grown and changed and we're like okay we're just gonna go in and start fresh and redo everything so and where did you guys record the ep was this a diy kind of effort you guys recording it yourselves or did you go into a studio and work with a producer or engineer or anything like that um we worked with a, with an engineer our friend nicholas tarantino um at voodoo studios which is where some bands i'm trying to think of who has recorded there recently um hail the sun okay this um glass jaws it a little bit there recently um their their resume is like really extensive but really like like the deer hunter stolas hail the sun are the ones that come to mind right away um and that's that's up on the north shore of long island okay and what was sort of that experience like getting to go into a studio and craft your songs and have something obviously that's a better outcome than just doing some DIY demos on your own. Um, it was really amazing. I mean, it was it was really hard on our part because of like the financial responsibility of it. Right. But we all worked really hard. And at one point in time, I was working three jobs, and my drummer was working three jobs, and um, my bassist Eric, he's been trying to pick up like anything he could find, and we were all like <laughs> scrambling to make ends meet. But it was really worth it. Like. It, it it made us feel more committed to what we were doing to be in in the studio at voodoo studio especially like um i would definitely say is like long island's up and coming recording studio um the owner has a lot going on there so but we went there actually to work with nick in particular because he's been an old friend of ours and um kind of wherever nick goes we will probably end up going with him yeah definitely and you guys have quite a few influence listed over at your Facebook page. And, you know, some of the ones that stick out are obviously no doubt and Paramore, the female fronted bands. When did you sort of start listening to not only no doubt, but Paramore? And when did you realize that you wanted to front a band yourself? Um, well, I've been listening to no doubt almost my whole life. Um, I got really, really into them when I was 10 or 11 years old the first album I ever bought with my own money was uh, Tragic Kingdom nice and um ever since then it's just been I, I've always been into music and singing ever since I was a, a very little girl I used to spend a lot of time singing but um I remember I would drive my brother up a wall because I would just play Tragic Kingdom nonstop and um just line for line I could tell you like any lyric <laughs> off the album Right. But, um, I, I didn't actually pers- want to pursue that until almost 10 years later. 
Is there any particular reason or was it just sort of something you wanted to take your time with and make sure it was something you wanted to do? Um, I just, I, I never considered it. I hadn't ever met any local bands. Like, you know, like in my mind, it was like, if you were in a band, like I, I hadn't considered the fact that there was a bottom and some place to start from. Right. But um, I went out for a karaoke with someone and um, they really enjoyed singing and they had been working on like writing a record and I was really supportive of that. I thought that was cool. So like they took me out to karaoke and um, I sang Criminal by Fiona Apple and like for some reason, like the whole bar went nuts. Like everyone was really supportive at the end. People were like, standing up and cheering and whatever. And my friend was like, like, why am I pursuing singing? You should be professional singer. So I was like, really? You mean it? Like, I loved singing so much, but I had never, I'd only thought of it as something I did for fun (laughs) until then. (laughs) That's when I I was like, I think I'm going to start channeling. Like, I I really loved writing poetry. So I was like, okay, maybe poetry could turn into songwriting for me. And it did. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously poetry is something that can definitely help you, especially with something like writing lyrics and that sort of thing. It might not necessarily give you an idea of what kind of melody you want to do, but poetry almost has a melody without really having a melody. It's like when you read it, you sort of always read it in this certain way. So that's awesome that that's sort of something that helped you move into songwriting. But I I want to sort of get a little off track here because I'm still checking out your about section on your Facebook page and (laughs) you have a thanks for having us section, which is something I haven't really seen bands do before, but you have the Newark Comic-Con on there. So did you guys perform at a Comic-Con at some point? Because as a comic nerd, this is something that totally interests me and might not interest the listeners, but I'm asking for more selfish reasons right now. Yeah, um, over... Over the summer, we performed at Newark Comic Con. Um, my friend, um, she she goes by the stage name uh, Legata Pantera Negra. Uh, okay. She's a rapper, and she um, she wears like this like cat costume, and um, she's very into cosplay. And she's played several more local Comic Cons, and I had met her online and it was suggested by a mutual friend, like, why don't you play with her? Like she, she might be able to hook you up with getting you onto New York Comic Con. So she gave me all the information and um, we got in touch with them. And our, our band's name actually comes from Mystery Science Theater 3000. And um, a lot of like their synthesizers can have a little bit of an 8-bit feel. And earlier in that year, we opened for iFi Dragons, which is an, an 8-bit rock band. So we kind of already had like this like nerd thing going on. (laughs) So (laughs) it just happened to work. Like they were able to get us on it. And uh, we cosplayed as uh, different characters from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) Nice. And it sounds like you guys are willing to sort of take whatever gigs you can get, whether or not they sort of fit the stereotype of being a small you know, punk alternative indie rock band. And I think that's something that we don't really see too often. A lot of bands are so focused on, okay, what do we need to do that sort of fits this type of music? And how do we get to that next level? But right now, you guys seem to just really be enjoying what you're doing. And I think that is sort of something that will ultimately get you guys that exposure you you deserve. And 
I know with this new EP, you guys were sort of starting to get more attention from blogs and websites and that sort of thing. Was there any specific thing that went behind that? Or was that something that sort of just happened because you guys were putting the work in? Or did you hire someone to do publicity or anything like that? Um, over the, the past year, um, I was working for a blog called Behind the Scene Press. Um, I, I really enjoy writing. So like, as I was getting more involved in journalism and getting lots of emails from publicists, from bands I never heard about, it was kind of like, maybe it would be a good idea to talk to someone. So we started shopping around for publicists and um, I met our friend Scott, who has been helping place us on a lot of blogs. Some of it is is personal connections from blogs right. that I've written for and others like are people that I've, I've met personally from playing out but um it, it's a kind of a toss-up between both between what yeah. he does for some kind of people that we've networked with yeah definitely and scott was kind enough to set this up for us when he emailed me i just wasn't too sure if he, it was like he was solely doing publicity for you guys or if it was sort of like he was just helping out when he could because personally i've done that for some bands as well along with doing some freelance PR so you know sometimes when it's a situation like that you're just like okay so are they doing this because they want to make money doing PR or are they sort of just doing this because they really believe in this band and as you probably know being in the music industry is something that is not easy to do or easy to even make money off of and for you what do you think it is that drives the band to do this is it solely just the passion for the music um i would say yeah it's it's, it's mostly a passion for music and performing um we love all the arts it's um yeah that's that's we really love performing and there's just something a chemistry between all four of us that i personally didn't get to experience in my old band and none of my bandmates had ever experienced. So it's all kind of something like we believe in this. Yeah, definitely. And you've had some experience with working with Safer Scene. Can you sort of walk me through what that was like? And I know you are someone who has been open about mental health before. So what led you to Safer Scene? And how did you find out about that? Um, I actually found out about Safer Scene from my friend Kat Hamilton. Um, she's the front woman of Manic Pixie. And okay. they are from from Philadelphia and Brooklyn. Um, I have been admiring them for a while. If I, I haven't personally seen them live until this Sunday, but I've been listening to their music on Spotify and Bandcamp, and um, we kind of became friends. And she, she's been interviewing a lot of female artists over like the past, I want to say three or four months. It might be more than that, but um, I kind of always just put it out there, especially as someone who um, lives with a mental illness and has been in the punk scene, has had people treat me as if I was a lesser musician just off of being a woman, which to me, I, I find like totally ridiculous. <laughs> um, we clicked on that, both Kat and I. And um, so I guess like it was easy for, for us to, to talk about it when she interviewed me. It was just kind of like, would you be interested in this? And I'm like, oh, yes, I would. I have a lot to say about this. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And that sort of leads me into some questions that my co-host Megan really wanted me to go over with you while we have you on the line here and everything. So when you're in a band and you're doing shows, obviously, 
you know, you spend a lot of time worrying about the gig and everything. So how do you sort of practice self-care and everything while you're working on, you know, creating a new record or figuring out gigs and that sort of thing? How do you sort of balance the two? Um, it's really difficult. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that I'm like successful at balancing it because sometimes I'll kind of run myself a little thin and spread right. myself thin. That's the right way of saying that. Um, I definitely like the one thing that I try my best to take care of out of everything is my voice. Um, and when it comes to being like mentally prepared for a show, um, like the night before a show, I'll try to get a lot of rest and make sure I drink a lot of water and um, kind of just take a step back and like, you know, get, get excited and get ready, but also remind myself that like, I'm doing, I'm, I'm singing for me, especially for, for the four of us as a band, like that we're doing it for ourselves too. So like that definitely keeps, keeps me from teetering off, I would say. Yeah. And sometimes it's even small things, like you mentioned, drinking enough water, you know, that's something that most people wouldn't, (laughs) yeah, most people wouldn't think that's such a big deal, but it's like, it's something you need to do. And I know, even sometimes just sitting at my desk working on stuff or editing podcasts, it's like I can go a few hours without realizing I haven't drank any water. And I'm like, oh, I should probably do that. And then you're already dehydrated at that point. Right, right. But when it comes to the night before a gig, I I try to make sure I get all of my water in. Um, I have a a few musician friends who have given me all different kinds of tips on um, keeping your voice before and after a gig, like it's like a certain amount of care that you need to try to take care of. Like, um, I have one friend who like religiously drinks Pedialyte, which is what okay. you usually give the kids to keep them from getting dehydrated when they have like a stomach virus. Right, right. But it like it really it works because it has like a, it has that extra electrolyte, so it's like it, it helps you if you drink it the night before and the night after. It helps with recovery and just keeping your voice hydrated. Yeah, and. As a band, how do you guys try to sort of, I guess, advance the conversation of mental health? Is that something you try to do more yourself or do you try to get the band involved as well at your shows? I know recently we've had bands like Modern Baseball and some others have these sort of tip lines they can call almost if you need anything at a show or need someone to talk to or if anything's happened like that. So do you think things like that are starting to become more of the norm at shows and are you trying to incorporate those things into mega weapon shows? Um, mostly we'll talk about like just that it's okay to, to get help. If anything, it, it's, um, especially like lyrically, um, I, we have one song called the United States of America and, um, it's, it's kind of about wondering whether or not you're going to find someone who wants to be with you and appreciates you, even though you have, a lot of baggage or have, um, you know, for my case, I have very, a lot of anxiety and things that are going on. And I'm just like, it's kind of like, I met this person. I really like them. Are they going to like me back? And it's just kind of like, we try to open the conversation to let people know that it's okay to feel that way. Like if you have feelings, it's okay to feel them. And like every now and then I'll say before we play the song, you know, what the song's about. And if anyone is feeling that way, they are welcome to talk to me at any time um, or especially like um, in terms of 
like feminism, I feel that men are kind of given the shaft on getting mental help. Right. Like, um, and I also, every now and then I'll, I will also bring that up that like, no one's questioning your masculinity. You could go out and get the help you need and deserve because this is part, not only part of your mind, it's part of your whole body. And it's really important to take care of yourself. Um, I could try to let the music speak for itself mostly. And I've had a lot of people ask me, what's this song about? Or the song sounds like it's about this and try to like, people will talk to me about it. Um, but it's, it's not like, um, I'll, I'll do my best to try to talk to people, but it's, it's not something we really push too hard. We have another song that like, there's a few lyrics in it about, um, about taking medication. And we'll also say like, you know, if you need this, it's okay. We do it. <laughs> like, right. It's just, people think like, oh no, we shouldn't talk about, but it's really not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we already mentioned safer scene, but there's also other avenues for these types of conversations to happen. You know, there's punk talks and punk out is more focused on the LGBTQ community. And do you think, you know, the seeing a rise in these types of organizations and stuff is something that's going to really help the music industry in the long run? Because it feels like this is sort of a first for the industry to sort of be this involved, especially in the mental health aspect. I hope it helps. I mean, um, I, I know for myself personally, when I go to shows, if there's a really large crowd, I get very anxious and I get claustrophobic. And I feel like um, I'll put it out there. You know, if you see someone there alone and it doesn't like they're okay, ask them if they're okay. Just, just you acknowledging that they're there is going to, make them feel okay <laughs> like I've had people just come up to me and say oh I'm so happy you're here at, at a show where I would have been standing there by myself and very nervous and very anxious um I because I I do think that 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 does help people it a lot of people in the Long Island scene have helped me in that way so <laughs> I hope it helps the music industry overall yeah but, definitely um, we'll kind of see where it goes from here yeah and to sort of bring it back to the EP and everything, since this just came out, what are the band's plans for the rest of 2017? Obviously, you guys have no problem playing shows in the East Coast area. Do you plan on sort of expanding and going out further than just the East Coast? Is that something you guys want to try and do this year and get on a tour as support for someone? This summer, fingers crossed, we will be... Um... We are planning on touring on our own over the summer um, and just going like maybe to like Chicago, down to Nashville um, and back. It's still pretty much the East Coast, but hitting the Midwest a little bit. Um, we're just starting out like um, with touring. This past weekend, we went on a mini tour and kind of testing the waters and going a little bit further every time we book something. <laughs> um we definitely are trying to push ourselves this year to um, widen our internet presence even more, especially with like um, live streaming performances in our homes or um, like YouTube covers, just, just so people hear us and see us and we're on their minds. So that way when we do get to be in their areas, they'll be interested in meeting us and hanging out. Um, that's I think by the summer, though, we should be ready for like, um, not not really hitting the West Coast yet, but hopefully maybe right. within a year, it'll happen. 
Yeah, and that's cool that you guys sort of try to just go a little further each time you head out because I think that's a good way to really build up your fan base and everything because like you said, obviously the West Coast is something that we'll have to wait and being an East Coast band, I'm sure you guys are already aware of how hard it is to sort of get that fan base built up more so in middle America, I would say, because usually the East Coast and West Coast are pretty good as far as the music scene is concerned. And it's sort of getting from the East Coast to the West Coast that creates a problem for a lot of bands because, you know, you have these long drives and you have these shows that you're playing and you don't know how many people are going to show up. So it's definitely something that's daunting for newer bands to try and make it from one coast to the other and, you know, still have enough money to at least break even if that on a tour. Yeah, it's it's really scary. Like, especially being like, I'm, I'm sure you have the same issue in South Cal- uh, Cal- uh, California that it's, I'm sorry, it sounded so stuttering like, <laughs> <laughs> um, like here. In South California, like, it's, like, it's really expensive to live here on Long Island. Right. So it's, like, like if if I have to make my rent for the month and also tour, like, it's, it, it, it gets to be really overwhelming financially. Like, so we're, like, trying to figure out ways of um, getting through with that. Like, um, we're playing a wedding right before our tour. So we're kind of, like, you know what, if we lose money on touring, then at least we need something playing our friend's wedding. <laughs> right, right. Like things like that where it's like we're doing like a lot of those kind of gigs also on top of our regular like DIY gigs. Yeah, and obviously with the EP just coming out, you guys probably aren't too focused on your next release. Rather, you probably are more focused on, like you said, getting that tour set up for the summer and everything. But I just want to go over a little bit of what your writing process was like for this EP and what it's sort of just like as a band in general. How do you guys start working on songs? Is it anyone in the band brings an idea to the table and you sort of work on that? Or is there a single person who sort of handles the lyrics and then brings the band in on it? Usually I'm the one who writes the lyrics and then the band pulls together based on that. Um, Andrew also handles a lot of the writing. There's okay. a few of our songs on the EP that we wrote together. Um, it tends to be things like that where it's like one person. For um, We actually have like, when we went into the studio to record this, we had about eight songs written um, that were we recorded. So we still, we still have a lot more um, that we'd like to record and that we're going to hopefully be using towards our next release. But um, yeah, a lot of it is like, here's the song. I wrote it once upon a time and it's kind of sitting there doing nothing. And then we make it into mega weapon song. Like um, Behind Glass Walls was an infidelity song. Um, I Won't Die. I wrote with a friend for like my solo projects. Uh, Strictly Ladies Joel, Andrew and I wrote together. Uh, We're Legally Not Allowed to Talk About It, Andrew and I wrote together. And The Shakes I wrote on my own and brought to the band. Nice. It's kind of a balance for all of us. I know um, um, we kind of just go with the flow, like whatever happens. I know I, I try to spend a little bit of time songwriting on my own every day and then bring up like, oh, I wrote this riff or um, listen to this chord progression I wrote on the piano or and we'll, we'll try to go from there. Yeah. Now that you sort of have this studio release under your belt, is it 
sort of motivating you to want to get more songs out and sort of craft them and hit the studio and, you know, not just release them as demos or something like that? For sure. Like um, in the past three weeks, I think we have sent each other like home demos of stuff we've been working on, like that we're ready to dive right back into writing again. Um, and people have responded really great to this. So we're, we're really hoping to get back into the studio, hopefully either with um, Nicholas Tarantino, who did our record, or um, I mean, he, he's really the only person that we've been that interested in working with, but right. we're, we're, we're hoping to really like rewire a lot of the stuff that we have ready to go. Cause we, we were hoping to record an LP in the first place. And then okay. once we got halfway done through that, we're like, these songs are perfect the way they are. Let's just release them now and not put it off anymore. Right. And with this release, you guys made some t-shirts and you put it on CD and everything. Was that something you guys totally did on your own or did you have some help with those things as well? Um, my friend, Nick Rappler, he designed the artwork for the cover of our EP and he also designed the t-shirt for Valentine's Day. So. We'd, we had his help. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's always nice to have someone who sort of understands the band and can do the design work on all aspects for them, because then you have something that sort of really sticks as the band's brand almost. And releasing this stuff on your own, did that make you guys want to sort of shop around for labels or are you guys totally at the point where you're fine just doing stuff and releasing music on your own without having to worry about you know contracts and all of that stuff that comes with a label we've discussed shopping for a small label but it's not at like the top of our agenda especially being like we're not like um we're just starting out touring and I think a lot of labels have the idea that they want someone with like a built-in fan base who's already right and it's it kind of feels like it's a little premature for us to shop for label unless it's like a really really small local one yeah definitely and you know even some small labels I run one myself it's like smaller labels are sort of hesitant to do physical releases at first too with newer bands because it's unclear whether or not the band will be able to sell cds at shows and that sort of thing, because, you know, it's just one of those things where you never know how something is going to turn out with a band. And unfortunately, in my case, I've worked with a couple bands that ended up breaking up or kicking out members literally like weeks after I put out their release for them. So it's like when you have things like that, you know, some labels don't want to take that risk, risk, but sometimes with bigger labels. And we see this a lot more with major labels. They'll sign these smaller acts because they know their heavy hitters are going to cover the costs for everyone underneath them, basically. But, you know, unfortunately, with smaller labels, it's sort of hard to take that risk. But you guys seem like a band that is really willing to work on building your fan base and sort of going to a label more prepared than some other bands would. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to, um, I mean, if there was a label that was interested and wanted to sign us, I would consider it. But like, um, at the same time, I, I feel like hiring our own staff and paying for everything out of our own pockets, even though it, it 
hurts and <laughs> it kind of sucks at right. the same time. Like I would like to show that we are responsible and could handle things on our own. And that if given the help that we would be prepared to take responsibility. So, yeah, definitely. Well, I think that covers everything I had for you. Is there anything we missed that you wanted to mention about this release? Um, not really. I, we've been getting like a lot of questions about our politics as of more recently. Okay. And like how it relates to our record. I, I kind of feel like the timing of when it came out, like versus what's going on right now is it's, it's hard to say, but um, a lot of our songs, especially like this EP, a lot of the songs have been like changing meanings because of right. how we're relating to it. So it's kind of interesting to have put out a record within this like time frame. Um, especially being like like just the the phrase behind glass walls was kind of like people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And it's kind of started to relate more to like people trolling each other on the internet and people saying things like you're, you're behind this glass screen. You feel like you could say and do whatever you want, but you can't. Like, right. It's, it's been interesting getting a lot of those kind of questions. And, but I don't, I don't feel like, um, like it's changed anything of who we are. I mean, like we've always been very outspoken about our views about um, mental health awareness and um, being very pro LGBTQ and, um, that's who we are, like, regardless of what's going on in, um, in the world. So, like, we just want to, like, be out there and just meet people and make sure that they come to our shows that they feel safe and, like, they're having fun and don't have to worry about these things. Yeah, definitely. And personally, I'm not a huge fan of talking politics in general, which would yeah. explain why I didn't ask too much about them. But I, I really appreciate it because I've been getting like a ton of questions about it. And I'm like, as, as much as I, I mean, like I said, I really do care about mental health awareness. And right. it's kind of more so almost like social issues that I care about more so than like really political ones. But um, it, it's been like, really, really interesting, like just being in this point in time in the world and, and um, kind of having to, you just like, you just want to make more art and you just want to keep being out there and doing it and like making people know, like, please express yourself. Like it's, it's really okay. Like to be who you are. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like I said, not being a huge politics person, I will pay attention to the politics. But I feel like the things that I do for fun, like this podcast, I have another podcast, my website and that sort of stuff. I'm not doing these things for political reasons. Like if I wanted to talk about politics, I would go create a politics podcast for that. To me, these are like the my escape and hopefully an yeah. escape for some other people from you know the everyday news cycle that we're seeing so it's like I try to keep those things very 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 separate for my own sanity mostly you, you need someplace um safe to escape from that kind of stuff and that's the kind of thing that we hope to provide people <laughs> like to let them know if they're safe please have fun like it's that's the most important part um as passionate as we feel about music we also feel about having a good time like yeah, we, we try to do that at all of our gigs and even in, like, in conversation with anyone we meet. 
Yeah. And the awesome thing about music is that while you are the ones writing it and it means a specific thing to you for your fans, it could mean something similar or totally different. And there's no right or wrong way to sort of interpret music because yes, you are the ones creating it, but it's the fans that really keep all of these bands and artists going. So, you know, no one's going to say anything if a fan feels differently about something than the artist does. And I think that's sort of one of the great ways music can bring people together and let you, you know, go to a concert and forget about what's going on outside the wall, those walls for a bit. I agree 100%. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on. This has definitely been a fun conversation. And obviously, everyone listening, go check out Behind Glass Walls. You can get it on Bandcamp. I'll link to that so you all have easy access to it. But like I said, thank you again, Michelle. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.